This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast. Explore the mind of MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone, as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Now, Now, up to to bat, Brett Boone. Welcome to the Boone Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Boone, and today on the program, I sit down with the world's great champ, who hosts Intentional Talk on MLB Network. Boston Red Sox on Neston. Ladies and gentlemen, Kevin Millar. Kevin, I appreciate you coming on the program. Booney, how about this, bro? We're all old now. You got a podcast. I've got a earpiece <laughs> in daily. You know, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm late to the game, though, man. I've been watching you for years on Attention to Talk. You do a great job. And uh, how long have you been with the network now? You've been there a while. Well, yeah, I got released in 2010, and at that point with the Cubbies, the network launched in 2009, so they they actually said, hey, we'd, we'd like to try you up here in New York and New Jersey is where the studio's at, and so I went up there. You don't know what an earpiece is and a talk back and all the stuff, a suit and tie, didn't even know I'd really tie a tie, but, you know, uh, went up there and did 30 shows, and I'm like, well, I can't live here, and we, you know, Chris Rose and I were close while I played, and so we end up launching Intentional Talk. They talked about starting a show. I'm like, we'll try it. I thought it was going to be fired in two months. I mean, you know, TV, live TV. It's, you know, a lot of clubhouse lingo. You got customers flying out your whole life, and then you got to kind of absorb all that and try not to say bad words when you're talking baseball, which is very hard for guys like very, you and I. It's very hard, yes. <laughs> so, um, No, go ahead, continue. No, no, so that was it. 13 years we started, and here we are, and, Still faking it till you make it. Love it. Um, I was watching the Fox broadcast. I'm sure you caught this too. You know, and the banter going back and forth. And and yeah, I, I think Jeter's done a great job being the new guy on the block. But he 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 referred to the other day when the first this round of playoffs currently the Phillies, uh, the Phillies in Arizona, and the Rangers and Houston start off first two games both two and zero, and Jeter makes the the comment well hell i've been up three and oh and lost i immediately thought of your team that was that oh four red sox team to this day and i talk about this all the time when when i'm sure you get asked this uh, a lot as well as i do is you know what are what's some of the most amazing things you you've seen in your career well that year what you guys did is my top three i've ever seen in sports because at that time 2004 that that Yankees Boston rivalry was probably at its height and us 
players that didn't play for those prospective teams still paid a lot of attention to that rivalry. So I remember 03, I, I was there with you guys when, when Uncle Aaron, my little brother, hit the home run, broke your heart. I was in the booth. That, that was pretty cool. But 04 comes, and I remember seeing you guys, and you're three down. And I said, you know, there's no chance. I don't care what happens. There's no chance. This just doesn't happen. It's just, it doesn't happen. Too good a team, too good a whatever. Hey, you win one, you claw back, you claw back, and you end up doing that. Um, it was amazing to me. Shows how predictable, unpredictable playoffs can be. What we're watching right now, I want to get into later. But Talk to me about the emotions of that. When you were down 3-0, I know the Cowboy up came from that. Uh, but when you sat there, talked with your teammates, when you're down 3-0 facing elimination, I was down 3-0 to the Yankees World Series in 99, and I didn't feel like we were going to come back. In that Atlanta Braves clubhouse, I was a part of that year. I didn't feel that. You know, you got to feel it. There was no rah-rah talks for me because I, I wasn't going to say something I didn't believe. How... Take me through that after you're down 3-0. Yeah, you know, it's funny, buddy, because we got our butts kicked in game three, right? It was 19-8, I believe, and my dad was in town, and he said, man, the only the only good news, hopefully Matt Suey and Sheffield have blisters because they each got four hits, banging balls off the monster. It was, a, it was a boat race. And I'll tell you the truth, what happened was the next morning I'm taking a deuce, and back then you read the newspaper. Now everybody's <laughs> on their phones. And I, Boston Globe, Dan Shaughnessy, who was a writer there, he called us a pack of frauds. And frauds is the one word that stood out because there's a difference. If that team's better than us, and yeah, on paper, they were way better than us. They probably had 10 future Hall of Famers on paper. People forget that Yankee team was gangster. There's different Yankee teams. This Yankee team here is not like the 04 Yankee team when you had A-Rod and Jeter and Giambi and Matsui and Bernie, and Sheffield, people forget Gary Sheffield's on the team, a true gangster, and you got Posada, and then they roll out with, you know, their starting staff, so the whole team was phenomenal, right, that lineup was hard to face, that lineup grinded you out one through nine, but that word fraud, it, it, it did piss me off, and I got to the field that day, and you know how it is, everybody's got boxes and stuff almost packed and not packed, but you're down those three, it's never happened in the history of sports, but at that moment, when I walked in a locker room, you know, the big thing was, is like, yeah, boys, this is this is what it's about. Frauds. So the, the word fraud was the stickler. And as the media walks in that office, I mean, that, that, that clubhouse that day, and they might come in at, you know, three o'clock or whatever it is. You know, Dan Shaughnessy had this red perm and, you know, this bad hair. So I just kind of started going off on him. And I said, sweet hair. Sweet hair, Danny. Your hair sucks. And so now it's a little bit weird, right? You know how it gets with 50 reporters in there, and they're like, well, oh, my God. Right? And I always had a great relationship with the media. You know, I was accountable. I was there, good or bad. But at that moment, you know, it was uncomfortable. And then you saw this energy, and all of a sudden, you know, I go, frauds? Is Pedro Martinez a fraud? Is Billy Miller a fraud? Is Trot Nixon a fraud? Is Big Poppy a fraud? Like, that's a different, that's a different word. That's a different word. Well, yeah, Poppy's over there. Yeah, yeah, well, my large said, you know. So then this energy started like, what? And maybe without that word fraud, maybe without that article, I don't know how our, how our senses are, but now it's like us against the world at that moment. So 
when you ask, like, did you think you're going to win four in a row? No, you, you never thought you're going to win four in a row. It's hard to beat them two in a row, let alone four in a row, right? So that mindset wasn't even in the equation. It was a matter of this. How do we get by game four? So by that time, as we're going to stretch, you know, Dan Shaughnessy comes out there. Why are you so hard on me? And I said, Dan, you call us frauds, bro. They might be better than us, but we're not frauds. I mean, we're just a bunch of blue-collar dudes. Billy Miller hit ninth in 03 and won a batting title. He was non-tenor by the Cubs. You got Mark Bellhorn at second base. You got Orlando Cabrera at short. You got Millar at first. It doesn't make sense on paper. I got it. Trot Nixon and Gary Sheffield. You got Johnny Damon and Bernie Williams and, you know, Manny and David and Schilling and Pedro. Yeah, we had our superstars. But the nucleus of this club was just a bunch of dudes. So it doesn't make sense, but the word fraud got to me, and that's basically how that all started was like, do not let us win tonight. And we had D'Lo on the mound. It wasn't a great matchup for us because they were a, a team that can go the other way and bang balls off the monster, even their left-handers. But don't let us win tonight because that was what I truly believed. And if you had Pedro, Pedro Martinez in game five and you had a Kurt Schilling going in game six, our belief was how do we win tonight? If we can win one, don't do it because then we got Pedro game five, Schilling game six. And by that time, you know what happens. Everybody gets a little tight. You can put anybody out there for game seven. And that's really how it kind of went down. And that game was an absolute battle. And Poppy Homer's off Quantrill in the 12th. We go back in game five, go 12 innings, same kind of game. You know, another walk, another rally. Poppy gets a broken bat off Loiza, you know, in game five in the 12th inning. It started turning into the most remarkable series we've ever seen. Well, now we're rolling this to New York. Now, you remember we were a little different. We had the facial hair, heads were shaved, cut off shirts before all this stuff was kind of the fad. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, could you imagine that being weird? Right. <laughs> now, right. now now you're now weird you if you butt. don't have it. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to grow a beard. I grew like <laughs> little kid. I got like little kid hair on my face. <laughs> See, but I, I mean, I grew a back hair quick. I can grow back hair in, in an hour. But my point is, <laughs> you looked over at our team. You know, hats were off. Manny had sleeveless cutoffs. And, you know, Jeter had a helmet on the cages. And Yankees were clean shaven. So you saw Tory look over as we were stretching. But we were different because we had nothing to lose, Bunny. We had nothing to lose. Schilling's coming in for his, his ankle and the bloody sock. And is it real? It has nothing to do with anything other than socks are here for game six. And that game, Bellhorn hit that home run off Lieber. And John Lieber on the opposite you know, field and hit a guy in the chest over the fence. And the umpires got together and they made the proper call. We didn't have replay back then. And it was a home run, but it kind of hit the chest and came back. And everybody's like double. And, you know, huge hit, huge part of the game. And we take it to game seven. Well, you know what? The coolest part about this whole thing was how often do you have a chance to leave your hotel room, Booney? And of all the times we've unpacked suitcases to say we have a chance to shock the world. We win tonight. We have a chance to shock the world. And if you think about that, it's pretty awesome. And we walked into game seven. It didn't matter what was happening. It was in the cards. And we boat raced them in game seven, and it wasn't even a game. And that was the only game that, like, it was like, yeah, Johnny hit a grand slam. We're up 6 nothing, And now you felt this whole thing. But it started in that game four. It started with that article. It started with taking a deuce in that morning. And that fraud comment, you know, who knows? What would have happened if Shaughnessy didn't say fraud? Have you have you seen him since then? Like yeah, we laugh about it, you know. And listen, yeah, he would write some mean articles, funny articles. He was on point most time. That was the one thing I didn't think he was on point with. I really didn't. I it, it was one of those irritating uh, uh, things that 
you know, you get called a fraud, that's a big deal, right? If you if, without if, a doubt, that's like different level. I understand the media, and uh, you know, when you're great, and you guys that year end up showing you were world champions, uh, you're going to be critiqued at a high level, uh, the good and the bad. So we understand that as athletes, but but I agree with you. When you go over the line and, and use a word like that, you. There's a professional way to say what you're feeling without calling you a fraud. Right. So I, I, I completely understand that the mindset you had when, when you were hit with that. But I, I just remember it still. And and I'm not kidding. It, people, what what's some of the greatest things you've ever seen? I said, well, 04, that, that Red Sox series still to this day. Top three for me. Most unbelievable, unlikely things I've ever seen. And we've had a lot of guys from that Red Sox teams on it. But I knew, I, I knew that. I'd always heard about it. I think, I think Millar was kind of behind that deal. And uh, it's cool. Because like you said, you oh, I didn't really believe it, Booney, but then we won, and then we won again. And I know how that gets. And you, you start coming to the yard, and you look at your teammates like, we just won two. Can we win through? Oh, shit. Right. <laughs> Don't it's- let us win tonight. Because then it, the pressure goes to the other side, and it's like, what's happening here? You know, this this is not supposed to happen. Pretty awesome stuff. Um. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The playoffs, what we're watching here, and, and that's, a, you know, I, I probably talked longer than I should have, but that's what I wanted to set up about. it. it this year, more than it's just showing me that I have no clue what I'm talking about when analyzing postseason play and who's going to win and who's not going to win. We got five of the, the best teams in baseball this year, at least record-wise, sitting at home for the championship series of the National League and the American mm-hmm. League. The wild card rounds are all sweeps. You got a Texas Rangers team who, who limps into the playoffs. They go one, they, they lose three out of four to the Seattle Mariners to lose that division, go from a bye to fly into Tampa Bay. They took care of business then. They rattled off seven straight. Now they're sitting two and one in that series against Houston. But all your playoff experience, the emotions of going back and forth. Uh, what do you tell these teams? I'm sitting there. I'm watching a Philly team right now. I'll be honest. 
I give Arizona no chance. There's something going on with that Philly team. These boy Harper looks possessed. It doesn't look like they're beatable right now, this week. Now, a week from now, if they get to the World Series, things can change. We know that. But right now, whatever mojo they got, that well, they're leaving, they're leaving their home field in Philly, but that place is rocking. But I look at the other side of the coin. It's like you're down 2-0 to the Texas. Eh, don't sleep on the Houston Astros. Talk, talk to me about your uh the emotions of going back and forth in the postseason. Cause you think things are going to go one way. And just like the story you told, they go another. Yeah. That's the best part about it. Right. It's the way the game you wish it was played because the scoreboard and the finances and all the, you know, the brands, they ruin the game of baseball. The game of baseball is played at the purity of the playoffs, right? Where you're trying to get a guy over, you're trying to bunt, you're trying to hit and run, you're hitting a homer, you're doing whatever you can to win a game. And that's, the key. Now, you talk about the Phillies really fast. I've never seen anything like this. They're clicking on all cylinders. You say Bryce Harper. Let's talk about Trey Turner. This is the dude that when he goes, that team goes. Bryce is a little bit like Barry Bonds, in my opinion. I wouldn't mess with him. If there's a base open, see you later. I wouldn't even take a chance. But Trey Turner's the problem right now because if he gets on base, he steals third. So he's got power. He's got speed. He's got the combination of why they paid him $350 million plus million or whatever it was. But this kid is just a game changer. And then you add in Nick Castellanos when he's on fire. Okay, all of a sudden he's on fire. But their entire squad, Swarber's going to, you know, ambush you and hit homers. He He's going to draw walks. Yeah, okay, people are talking about how weird is that because he hits 190. I don't care. He is a an, an bat with a threat. So when you got Pop, and Rio Milto is probably the best, my favorite player on that team. He's just a ball player, right? There's no antics. He just plays baseball and keeps that whole scene going. And then you go Zach Wheeler, who might be the best postseason pitcher out there. And Nola, obviously doing what he does. And then their bullpen. Their bullpen used to be a kind of a crutch. Now it's like they're bringing in dudes, Alvarado and Soto. And you're like, left-handed from 100? It doesn't yeah. make sense to me. Kimbrell's a guy like, you're kind of like, oh, thank goodness they brought him in. But he's a guy that's got Hall of Fame credentials. My point is, the equation is, yeah, they look unbeatable. But you're just a game away from turning this thing around and making it weird on their end. And it knocks them off their little confidence ride. Now, how do they do that? It's going to be a tough task, but they're back at home, Arizona. Thought maybe a young kid you don't know a whole lot about. He might go seven, strike out 12. He might go an inning and third and give up five. That's one of the things with lack of experience. So the Arizona Diamondbacks, yeah, they're behind the eight ball, but it's still a seven-game series. I've lived it. I've been there. So I don't, I don't give up on a whole lot of groups, but they are playing a team that I've never seen locked in on all aspects of this game, even defensively. I mean, Alec Baum over there, third base, looks like freaking Arenado. And so they're playing at a high level, and Thompson's done a great job over there. So that series does look like it's a little bit overmatched. But you're talking about the Astros and the Texas Rangers. This series looks like, yeah, there is some tightness there, I think, with last night's game. The Rangers come in. Astros haven't played well at home for some reason. They've played well on the road, and they swept the Rangers three games in September and boat raced them, you know, 12-something, 13-something, 14-something. So they can play there, and they did it last night because Max Scherzer's coming back, which was a big lift for the Rangers. It still is. His arm is healthy. Yeah, he gave up five runs, but I'm going to tell you right now, Bochy's got something about him that he gets the most out of his players, and that bullpen's been tough. It's been tough for about a month in, in September. They almost lost their whole situation, not even in the postseason. But they got right at the right time and beat a good raised team out of nowhere, boom, quick. 
And then they go in and beat the Baltimore Orioles, who, by the way, might have been the best team on paper, just on youth and talent and just wiry and fun. We know the Braves and Dodgers are solidified, but they got knocked out. But here come the Rangers all of a sudden, and they didn't lose a game until last night. And they're, yeah. you know, Nathan Ivaldi, say what you want, but I think he's like an unsung hero. He's a postseason dude. He takes that ball. He's got 97 still in his back pocket, makes in the split finger and the breaking ball. Like, he's a tough, tough competitor, but you still have this, you know, Justin Verlander, Framber Valdez, when he's right, he's as nasty as there is with that curveball. So the Rangers know that this is the Houston Astros. So I think that series is going to be tough. That might go seven games, and you can flip a coin. But I still think that lineup with the length of the Rangers, when they're clicking, their stuff is the Astros. So it's balanced there, balanced staffs. They're a little bit funny with the, you know, like you got Jose Akiti tonight, and then they're going to go with Heaney. It'll be interesting. We'll see what goes on, but that series is going to be good. There hasn't been great, great games in this postseason. We saw the Braves and the Phillies have a big game, you know, late, but it's kind of been like 4 nothing, 5 nothing, 4 nothing. homers, you know, series were sweeping. And so I'm hoping to get some game sevens because that's when that's when the dudeness comes out in, in ball players. No, I agree with you. And and I, I I played for Boach one year, one of my favorite men in, in all the game. I love Dusty. Who doesn't love Dusty? So you yeah. got that. That's the big matchup. You know, it's like skipper against skipper, which in the end, players are going to do it or they're not going to do it. Um, yeah. But I but I agree with you. It, it's been you look at that that Rangers. And to me, what's their weak link? It's their bullpen, but they pieced it together so far. LeClerc's been solid at the end. You know, you mentioned Kimbrell on the National League side. You look at Chapman on the American League side. You bring Chapman in in the eighth. It's like, oh, here we go. It's Mitch Williams from from, uh, the 90s Phillies. It's like he he could punch you out, make you look silly, boom, boom, boom. Or there's a three spot on the board like that. So there, there's a lot of intrigue. It's going to be interesting watching that uh, down the street. I think the Houston-Texas series is going to turn into a real series. And on the Arizona side, I'd love to see Arizona get a win. Yeah. But that's just – that's a big – that's an uphill battle for me just watching. But once again, I've been wrong a lot. So who knows? I, I'm pulling for Arizona to win a game, make a, make a series out of it. Maybe they get out of Philly and take the crowd out of it a little bit. And that's what Arizona hasn't been able to do in right. Philly. You know, when asked, hey, how do you get this crowd calmed down? You know what you do? You put a, you, you put a two-spot up in the first. That'll shut up a wild crowd. Mm-hmm. But as long as you can't get the crowd out of that, that Philly's just going to roll. It, it, they've been looking like uh, it's unbelievable to watch those Phillies games, what they've done. You talk about Wheeler, what an unbelievable postseason pitcher. Now Nola is acting like Wheeler. Yeah. And by the way, this Suarez kid in the three-hole for the Phillies, everybody yep. doesn't talk about him. This sucker's good. He's yep. really good, and I believe he, he's up next for him. So uh, it should be it should be great to watch. Um, managers you've played for in the postseason. I talked about this with Boach. I want to know your answer. You notice a difference when you get to the postseason. Is there a different way to manage the regular season from a playoff from a uh, playoff series? You know, it's funny. I mean, Grady Little in 03 was one of my favorites. Uh, I love Grady Little, by the way. Tremendous man. And yes. ran into just a, you know, obviously we had an unbelievable series. And we're up 5-2 in the eighth with two outs. And Pedro was on the mound. And, and I'll take it to this day. I'm going to lose with Pedro Martinez on the mound. Uh, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. We had a bullpen by committee. We had Al Embry and Mike Timlin, great pitchers. But we didn't have a Mariano Rivera to go out there. And if they come in and give up three runs, what's the first question to Gray Little? 
how do you take out Pedro Martinez? So when we lost that game, you tip your hat to the Yankees. You say, hey, they got a couple knocks. They hit a he threw an 0-2 fastball that Matsui turned on and hit one over my head. And then Posada got the blue pit. But that's part of it, man. That game was great. We went up going 12 innings. Marion threw three innings. I think he could have thrown like eight that night. And Booney hits a home run. Uncle Uncle Aaron. And Uncle he got the ball to infield. And, you know, <laughs> Wakey, first pitch, boom. Okay, great. So that's a, a remarkable series of game. And Grady got fired. He got fired. And, 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 it, and it really – it hurt my feelings because what a great man cared about us, cared about families and more than just, just your, your, your piece of meat. Right. He, he was a guy that cares about people. And when he got fired, I'm like, this is, this is a big business now. Like, wow. We just sat there in 03. Nobody knew who we all were. We were all non-tendered from Poppy to Todd Walker, to Billy Miller, to myself, to Jeremy Jambi at that time. Like it was a bunch of dudes that no one knew. And all of a sudden here we are in the game seven with the Yankees and go through an absolute war and losing. He gets fired. I'm like, what am I missing? Here comes Terry Francona. Francona comes in from the Phillies, didn't have a whole lot of success, brings in Keith Falk and brings in Kurt Schilling, basically the same squad. And next thing you know, we win the World Series. I will say this about Tito. Tito has a remarkable way of staying awesome through any kind of situation. Mound visits in the seventh inning, bases loaded, come out there. And we're not talking baseball. He might tell you, look in the third row, nice looking girl over there, and let's go ahead and get a double play. Boom. But he has a way to make things loose. He has a way to keep spitting tobacco in your helmet if you're in the hole and you go to put on your helmet. I look down, there's a freaking wad of gum and tobacco. He's like, come on now, go get him now. There's a way to keep <laughs> dude having fun, right? It's a game, man. And that's one thing about it. This game of baseball, Booney, is awesome. We are so caught up in a lot of the other stuff the brands and it, and look at me's and we got so much stuff going. If you just lock in on the game of baseball, that's what I love about it, man. I love watching baseball. The other stuff is part of it. Go get good at baseball. You're going to be famous. Guys want to be fam become famous before they're good at baseball. And I think a lot of that products, obviously social media and how many likes you get and whatever the heck else you're doing and the money dudes are extremely rich. Like, it's ridiculous. Ri ridiculously rich. We're players. I'm all for it. Go make whatever you can, but don't lose the perspective of bringing a hat in, turning it in, deck of cards. I don't need your financial advisor, your attorney, your mental coach, your other coach, this coach, that. I'm like, bro, how about just a deck of cards and play some damn hearts and spades like we used to do? Get Maybe occasional pluck. Right? Yeah. And like, where's the boys club? Now we got a party of six with every player. Because they got businesses, they got coffee shops, they got buildings. I'm like, so that's the stuff that it's a little different. I didn't never make that kind of money. I had to work four days after I got released. But I'm all in it. But let's let's remember, this is our dream. Our dream was to be a big leaguer, bro. The money and fame come with it. But that's the only two things that change a player also is money and fame. And you see some players just kind of go in this, this other way, other direction. Well, I, you know, I look at it and it's like, Guys are getting their own shoe in double A. I'm like, I, 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 didn't get, I didn't get anything on my shoe until 10 years into the big leagues. And I remember when they told me I could put my initials on my shoe. I'm like, yes, finally I've arrived. Long. Yeah, I mean, you know, finally I, was... I have arrived. I get my own. <laughs> I get to put BB on my shoe. Dude, it's crazy. <laughs> now man. people are coming to the yard. They're coming to the big leagues with their own shoe. And no it's doubt. like, you no know, doubt. and, and I'm not, I don't want to be that. 
you know, get off my lawn guy. Oh, no. when I played, it was great. No, when I played, it was great. But this is their game now, and I and I respect that. Uh, mm-hmm. But your point's well taken. I mean, I think you you summed it up perfectly uh, about uh, you play, and then you'll get famous. And and they're kind of do it in reverse. And not to say everybody is, but the right. culture. I, I don't put a lot of what goes on. Uh, I don't put it all on the player's shoulder because it's the culture. It's how they're brought up. That's right. It's, it's the, you know, I, I remember when I first started kind of paying attention. A few years when I was out of the game, I didn't pay much attention to the game. And I started paying attention and I saw, wow. You know, I remember when I was a rookie, it was really hard. It's like. The guys gave me a lot of tough love. They liked me and they took care of me and they took me on the road and they'd buy me dinner and maybe a new suit after they cut my old suit in half. Right. It's like I, I was expected to get get on the bus, sit in the front with the coaches, shut up, speak when spoken to. And I, of course, I, you know, I didn't do that, but I got, you know, I got punished by it. Jay Buner would give me a beating on a daily basis. Love him to this day. But it was a tough love. And it was almost like you came. I don't know about yourself, but when I came to the yard, it's like. Man, I got to prove myself. I got to prove that I belong here. That's how. And then that one day comes where you just kind of look around and people look at you a little bit differently. Like, hey, kid, you're a big leaguer. But it didn't happen overnight because you got a phone call that said, bring him to the big leagues. Now it's like, all right, now show us what you did. in the minor. We don't care what you did in the minor leagues. Show us at this mm-hmm. level. And yeah. I think that's what's changed in the game. Uh, from my perspective on the outside, just just looking at the game few more things and I'll let you go. These crowds, Philly crowd, we talk, both of us say there's nothing like it right now in the game. Yeah. There's nothing like that crowd. When they, when, when Schwarber or Harper or whoever's hitting them, they're all hitting them real mudo. Uh, <clears throat> Trey Turner hits a homer. They go into that crowd. I mean, it looks like a mosh pit. And, and you know, the people in Philly, I grew up in Jersey. I know the people in Philly are crazy already, but it looks next level. Anything in your career, Getting to the postseason, crowds. You had some big ones. Fenway, old Yankee Stadium for me. Yeah, uh, I, I've had a few playoff runs there. I played in a World Series there. Different level, and and I was on the wrong end of 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 most of the crowd noise that time. Usually, we got out of there in a bad mood because the Yankees whooped our butt again. Right. But I remember ge- the first game of the World Series, nineteen ninety nine, standing on the sidelines at Yankee Stadium. I played there twenty times. And something came over me like, okay, something weird's happening. I'm in a, I'm in somewhere special where some, some shit's gone down throughout the years. I remember that being a, a focal point. Like I remember that time. Now, once we got going and the game went going next night, it was back to, to, to playing baseball. But I've had little moments like that once in a while where I, someone kind of taps me on the shoulder and says, you better appreciate this. You're in a pretty cool spot right now that most people don't get to ever experience thoughts of uh, thoughts of those kind of experience have you had any of those yeah i mean right now the phillies home you know baseball is one of those sports that home field advantage really isn't a big deal like in the nfl right if you're down there at the second you know second goal and you got crowd noise you're trying to audible so the sounds and stuff and basketball and nba I got all that. Baseball is usually the dude on the mound can dominate. And if he's making his pitches, we're out and we're going to live on mistakes. And if there's not a whole lot, that's kind of what takes over. I will say this, being in Philly last year, at the World Series, watching this group of fans 
And it actually was starting to piss me off because I, I had some seats and I was like, I want to go watch the game in the stands. You know, guys like us, we don't ever get a chance to do that. And so I'm like, I, I had a ticket. I'm sitting there and I'm going to watch a World Series game. They stood up every two strike count the entire game from the first inning out. When I tell you stand up, it's like one of those concerts. If you're at Billy Joel and Elton John, you want to just kind of sit down for a second and enjoy some music. The entire game is standing up. I finally just sat there. I didn't see half of the game because I'm like, I'm tired of getting up and down. Felt like I was starting this cardio. But they have an amazing group of fans that support. Is Philly tough? Yeah. Media-wise, yeah. Yankees. I mean, New York and Philly and Boston. But I'll tell you one thing about the East Coast baseball. And I grew up in Los Angeles, a Dodger fan. And I grew up watching and listening to Vince Scully my entire life. My dad had on the radio. And that's what I did. Snake sneaking in and doing what we could do to watch the Dodger game. The point being is that West Coast baseball and East Coast baseball, two different animals. And I didn't realize that until I came up with the Florida Marlins and we had no fan base. We played at Pro Player Stadium and it was that was the Dolphin Stadium. And we'd kind of filter in and when we played East Coast teams, we'd fill that place up. But as soon as the Yankees or the Mets or the whoever left, it was back to normal. The appreciation I have for East Coast baseball because the passion of these fans. Win, lose, or draw, they're in there. They're sold out. Fenway Park is as special as I've ever been to. And I'm not just saying as a Red Sox fan. When you're a Red Sox player, it's like you're Aerosmith. You can be 1 through 25. It doesn't matter. You don't have to be Pedro Martinez or, you know, Kurt Schilling or Manny Ramirez or David. It didn't matter who you were. They love the Red Sox. Phillies fans love the Phillies. Yankee fans love the Yankees. So when you're in those, like you talk about, Yankee Stadium with 62,000, and when Uncle Aaron hits that home run and the entire place is shaking, like you respect it. You understand it. Yeah. It's supposed to be hard to win in those places. That's what I wish a lot of these stadiums would take a page out of. San Fran gets like that when they're rocking and rolling. That's more, it's as close as an East Coast fan base is I've been around because they get cranky out there. They have fun. It's a small, cozy stadium. And when the Giants were on that run with Boach from 2010, 12, and 14, like there was a vibe there, you know, going there. I'm like, yeah, okay, this is – it's cold. You can be in July and you're in sleeves. So there's a vibe there, but there's nothing like this East Coast baseball. When the teams are winning, these fans support it, and it's loud, and they're and they're and that's all they have going. So it's almost like a tailgate. It's an event. And usually we don't have that in baseball because we play so many games. You're right. It's something I, I never got to do it. You know, I grew up in, in the Philly area and I got to witness that as a kid, you know, going to ballpark with pops and, and watching as a fan. But mm-hmm. I never got to, you know, wear one of the East Coast unis. I, I just I missed it, though. I, I love going to Philly and listening to those fans scream at me. Love going to Boston, New York. I love walking down the street in New York because, you know, the yeah. fans are going to scream at you. Yo, Millar, you suck. We're going to kick your yeah. ass tonight, you know. Yeah. But it's said with a wry smile. And, yeah. and it's like, we got you. You know, and then the thing that's great about it, too, on the East Coast is when you do kick their butt. They're very respectful, like, all right, you got us, you know, they give me that. So I, I never got to do it. I always thought late in my career, maybe I'll, I'll get a chance to play in New York or a Boston or, or because you're right. There's nothing like that East Coast fan. I mean, those are fans through and through where, you know, I'm out here on the West Coast and there's so much to do. It's like with the baseball. All right, what are we doing next? You know, it's, it's, it's just, yeah, it's just a little Traffic. bit different. <laughs> right. 
If you're in the Arizona clubhouse, Kevin Millar, current player, 2023, I'm going to uni you up. Uh, what are you telling your boys right now? We had Tory Lavello on two days ago after they lost game one. Remarkable UCLA boy. Uh, I love everything about Tory, but I know one thing, dude. He's not going to give up, and these boys believe they can beat the Phillies, and that's what it's about. But at the end of the day, you, you, you immediately get the boys rocking and rolling. You put on some badass music, and you create a vibe. They have a very sneaky good club. Let's not sleep on the Arizona Diamondbacks. They played well, really well the first three months, and then went through a two-and-a-half-month, like, what happened to them? But they were leading that West, and the Dodgers were kind of spinning the wheels, and then all of a sudden, they just fell off the face of earth, and then they came back. The last few weeks of the season, they played about as well as anybody in the big leagues, and they got hot, and here they are. They beat the Dodgers now. Remember, this, this team, you can say what you want with the pitching staff and Clayton Kershaw, but they did that. They knocked Clayton out of the game in, in a couple innings, and they scored the runs. They have the ability to show up at home and steal a game right now. Then it becomes interesting, right? Because you give Zach Allen a, another a, another chance at them, and, you know, Kelly, you saw him. He's, he's got the ability to pitch. You get another shot at Wheeler, which is not where you want to make a living, but I'm just telling you, you know how it is. You got flow going until you get beat, and then you got to come back, and then it kind of turns for a second. So I would just sit there and say – Let's get this game night. This is where we got to play like our hair's on fire. We're stealing bases. Remember, they were second in the league in stolen bases. I know it's hard to steal first base, but they had 166 stolen bases, I believe, this year. So they're number two. Go. Just put pressure on the Phillies as much as you can. You're going to have your home vibe going. You got your home batter's box. You got your home music walking up songs. You slept in your bed. You got yourself a meal cooked by mama. Go, go get you some. That's your house. And protect your house. It's just like the old click clack Under Armour days. Protect this house. So we'll see what happens. Real quick, your thoughts on I personally, I love the excitement. The game now, you know, you go back years, 20, 30 years ago. Much tougher to get to the postseason because there weren't as many spots at the at the table. Nowadays, a lot easier to get to the postseason. Seems to me like a lot tougher to win. There's a lot of landmines. You got to go through a lot of rounds and series of best out of three. We're not always the best team wins. Even a series of five, best out of five. It's still uh, the best team kind of kind of probably will win, but not always. Best of seven, it kind of stretches you out. You know, mm -hmm. you don't just go with the number one and number two starter. It's like, no, we'll see what you got in the number three and number four starter hole. And, and, and I think it shows the depth of a team. And usually in a seven-game series, the best team comes out of there, usually. Anything you see with this postseason and this current uh, schedule that you – I had Albert Bell on, of all people, and he had some great points. He said, Booney, this seven-game series, we got to find who the best team is. Best team comes out of a seven-game series. I said, Albert, how are we going to do that? Because you know how it is. We'll get to the union. We got to discuss it. It's a negotiation, and the players already play 162, mm -hmm. 30 spring training games. And then we got how many postseason games are we going to expect these guys to play? So it's not easy. There's a lot of red tape getting to that point. But for you, Kevin Millar, watching this postseason, I, as a fan, I think it's awesome. I think there's so many more cities involved. I think you've got six or seven more cities down the stretch that in years past would be on to football but they're still talking about their baseball team because they're still in the hunt. I think for the game of baseball, for the brand of baseball, I think they've done a really good job with the postseason. Now, you don't always – I don't know. You get a lot of teams there. Yeah, is, the, is this formula right to always get 
the best team to get to the World Series and win. Uh, I don't know. Your thoughts? Yeah, I'm expanding to get to the postseason. Why? Because now we got buyers at the break. It gives you hope. When you know how many teams we've been on that you're like, we're just, we know we're better. We know we can play better. We just haven't. We spun our wheels. But now you get teams adding. I love what the Angels did this year. If we had tomorrow's sports page, we'd all be millionaires. But the point of the matter is, they didn't trade Shohei. Should they have? I don't know the business side of it, but I didn't want to see him because I want to see the Angels and Phil Nevin have a chance to go ahead and shock the world. So they added. They went out and got Giolito. Okay, it didn't work out. But my point is, it gives teams chances and cities like instead of selling and rebuilding, because I don't care what you say as a fan, when you go through a five-year rebuild, it stinks. It stinks, and it's hard, and teams have to do it because it's got to be a reset. When Theo took over the Cubs after he left the Red Sox, you know, he told me, it's going to take me three to five drafts in June. You just can't miss. So we got to build our farm system. we got to develop our, you know, farm system. You look at the Orioles, how quick they became great, right? The Braves, how quick they became great. Because Anthopolis with Atlanta, you can add your Solaires then. You can add the little pieces that you need, you know, John Peterson at the playoff time. But you just can't go out and buy free agents. Mets try to do it. You see what happens. It doesn't work. Right. You have to have dudes in the minor league system help you. Your Gunnar Hendersons, right? Your 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 uh, the Adley Rushmans. Like those are draft picks for the Orioles that change that culture immediately. And now they just keep coming. What do you got? You got little Holiday coming. Jack's Holiday first pick last year. He's ready for playing the big league tomorrow with that swing. And that's what you need to do. And then you can go add a Matt Scherzer. Yes. And add a whoever you need, to, a free agent, yes. But it starts in the minor league system. So I love the, the ability to go make the postseason as organizations, be better in the draft, be, have better scouts, take care of those boys behind the scenes. I think that's a, just like a ridiculous – people forget about how important scouts are. I mean, that's what it's all about is finding dudes and knowing what market you are going to find a dude. You can't just send a guy in Boston or East Coast – that's a little soft. I don't care who you are. He might be a great player, but your feelings are going to get hurt three to four times. You're going to get booed at home. They booed Derek Jeter in Yankee Stadium when he was over 30. I'm like, oh, my God, this is like booing Santa Claus. But they're booing Jeter. I mean, I, I, I was like, but that's what's about. If your feelings get hurt, you <laughs> cry me a river. You can go <laughs> hide somewhere in the West Coast, and you can go play some ball over there, and you might get four reporters write something you know, sassy. But my point is the draft is important, Booney. These teams making the postseason, you get one little hot team, wild card teams, they just keep going and going. The layoff kind of hurts these good teams because baseball is about timing. We're not trying to get healthy. We need to hit every day. We're used to playing every day, right? So it's a great thing they've done. I love all get more teams in there, give cities more chances, and you better start drafting better because you see how quick it can happen. Like the Orioles are a great example. You like the new rule with the uh, where the trade deadline is two months out? I kind of like it because it makes yeah. you make a move. Like those guys in the bubble, oh, we'll, we'll wait another month in past years where oh, we can wait another month to make a decision. Right. It's like you're right there. You're yeah. going to go for it. You're going to quit. I, I think it, I think it's cool. I think it it puts the pressure on and it, it adds a lot of intrigue to the game. No doubt about it. And I love all the new rules, to be honest with you. I, I think change I is weird. At first, you're like, what? Bigger bases? Yeah. What? But what? what? A, a time, a pitch clock. All the stuff is like weird because we're just used to the same thing. But then you look up, my kids are watching ball now. It's not four-hour games when me and the Red Sox and then I mean, the Yankees played. We played for four hours. Now, now you know, when you do TV or you're sitting, I'm like, 
let's go, bro. I'm going to go to dinner like 240, yep. 245, 250, but it, it's tempo. And watching Mark Burley pitch back in the day or Derek Lowe, they get the ball and go, get the ball and go. Then you have that one teammate that rubs the ball, walks around the mound. You're like, throw it. Like I'm bored. I'm already looking in the stands by that point. You know what I'm saying? So I think the pitch clock's been awesome. I think the bases a little bit bigger. It's added guy stealing. We've seen Acuna just put up numbers that we've never seen. And yeah. Ricky Henderson might sit back going, what? But I'm telling you, we've seen a little bit more of an exciting game. We've seen a little higher tempo. We're not seeing three and a half to four hour games anymore. And it's and, and you're getting kids more involved watching baseball because that's yeah. the biggest thing is how do we get this youth to watch the game like you and I used to watch baseball. These kids walk around their phones and they're Snapchatting or they're looking down I'm like, bro, and I've got high school kids. I'm like, hey, pimp, we're going to watch the game with dad tonight. And now they're engaged because it's a quicker tempo type game. Keep their, yeah, keep their attention span because you're right. There's so many things that we didn't have as yeah. kids. You know, as, as kids, we're talking about car. We've got to move the hockey goal because we're playing street hockey and a car is right. coming by. They don't do that anymore, you know? Yep. yep. <clears throat> um, all right, last thing. I'll let you go. Crystal ball, I don't know. Philly AZ is kind of easy. All right, give me your winner, Philly AZ. I picked AZ to upset Philly before this postseason. I mean, before this series started. I did, I did as well. I'm not looking very good right now. It's not looking good for us, Booney, but I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to give up because you got to win four. You don't want to have to win two, and I don't care how you win them. The first game, they boat, you felt like a boat race, and they were just blooping and blast away, so they lost that game 5-3. They got boat race game two. You're coming back home. We got a young blood on the mound. Flip a coin, but he might be dominating, and so I know it looks good, and I can't come off the Dimebacks. I'm just that guy. I love the underdog. It was like the 93 Phillies. It was like our team in 04. If you weren't a Yankee fan, you kind of gravitated to these bad body bar hopper dudes. And I kind of like the Diamondbacks just because no one's giving them any credit. And that catcher, by the way, that's sitting over there in Arizona, he's a factor. So he might click them today. They might get a W. I'm going to still stay with the Diamondbacks. I think something's going to happen, going to happen weird. It's too easy, it seems like, for the Philadelphia Phillies right now. And I think the, uh, I think the, yeah. uh, I would love to see the, Man, I, I, the Rangers would be nice. Timmy Hires, the hitting coach, was in my wedding. I would love to see him get that sheriff's check, man. He's a wonderful human being, and what he's done with this this lineup and just his his values as a human being, I'm a fan. Even though I love me some Jimmy Crane, the Astros, but they've been there a lot. So maybe we'll let Timmy Hires get a little World Series share. That's funny. You, you mentioned the share. My son was asking me the other day. He goes, Dad, what what is a uh, what's a World Series winner get? I said, Well, I don't know, son. I haven't been there in a long time. <laughs> I know what I said. I know what the losing share is from 1999. <laughs> if he if he li- if that helps you out, <laughs> see that college you just got back from it helped pay for it. Yeah, but um, I I don't know the shares nowadays. I would assume you know. I remember five fifty. We were 145,000 in 04. I remember Christmas, December came right, right. I'm like, and we were the, we gave out the most full shares, grounds, crews. I'm like, dude, we're not right. playing this shares. We're, everybody's rich. We're playing for the ring, right? But you got a chance to touch a lot of guys' lives. So our full share after taxes was $145,000. I think last year was 555000 bucks, which is cool. But That's you know what? For guys. It, it, but it people don't. It, it depends on how many games it goes, right? Because the more, yeah, it, well, it, the, it, in the stadiums now, right? You know, so, back then, the stadium was sixty-two thousand. We were thirty-four. Fenway now they're they're a little cozier. Philly's right. thirty-five thousand. You know, even the new Texas stadium, it feels bigger, but it's 
35, 38. You got, you got Houston's 38. So yeah, it, it, it's definitely a half a million or more. And that's life changing for coaches and staffs and, you know, travel yeah. secretaries. I mean, shit players. You don't, I, I don't think Seager and Simeon is going to worry about it, but I don't, I, those boys, I don't, I don't think Scherzer's worried about it. <laughs> that's right. All right. Uh, world series champ. Who is it? Let's go Rangers. Let's just go yeah. out of number. I think let's go Rangers. I think that your boats has got something special going. He's not afraid of anything, and he's not afraid to put you in there. So we'll see what happens. Pretty awesome. Uh, Kevin Millar, I appreciate you coming on the program, man. A lot of fun. Great catching up with you. Um, and for all of you out there watching the Boom Podcast, now it's now it's on YouTube as well, listening to the Boom Podcast. I appreciate you listening, and we'll see you next time. All right, buddy. Thanks, brother.